are Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, October 23rd. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is looking back on Monday's nemesis of the week. And honestly, it should have been FOMO of teams signing (laughs) their players before they get to arbitration because there were a ton of different signings yesterday, and I was just sad that Phil Myers wasn't one of them. Ugh. What are we doing, Phil? You're making me nervous. I mean, I'm not really nervous. Like, it'll it'll happen, but uh, sooner rather than later would be nice for all of our well-beings. Absolutely. And just have to put a little asterisk that at the time of recording, Phil has not signed with the Flyers. So, yeah, hopefully later today he actually does. <laughs> that would be a nice little way to end the week on Friday. Mm-hmm. So to keep track, if Phil did or did not sign and all other Flyers news, make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Flyers. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. I'm pretty sure wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. So subscribe to get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. We are your hosts. I'm Danielle. And I'm Rachel. And today we are going to dig into some NHL and Flyers news and then take a trip down memory lane for our gritty thing of the week. And we do have a new uh, or a recent gritty signing. So we'll talk about that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers. Tweet us any of your questions for our weekly mailbag, how you're feeling about Myers not being signed yet, and what the Flyers are doing with the roster this offseason. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. So let's start off with Thursday. Uh, Frank Saravelli tweeted out that the NHL officially announces the postponement of the 2021 Winter Classic, which was supposed to be in Minneapolis, and the 2021 All-Star Game, which was supposed to be in Florida. So not surprising when you look at like the time of year and <laughs> the lack of information about the start of the next season. That uh, postponement makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. It, again, it's it's sad. Uh, and I think that, you know, finally having a winter classic in Minnesota, you know, the supposed home of outdoor hockey in the United yeah. States just made so much sense. And it, it, like, it felt like a relief that they had finally scheduled one there. So... It's that part of it, I think, is the more heartbreaking aspect of it. I, I feel like, you know, Florida has had the draft more recently. So I, I feel like Florida has kind of had its due. And yeah. so it feels like this postponement is not as big a deal to me anyway. No, I think that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and I know this is like financially this is taxing on the NHL, especially if there isn't going to be a lot of fans to pack that uh, wherever they, they were going to hold the the Winter Classic. But it would have been nice to like start the season off with like an outdoor game in Minnesota as at the start of the season. Now, I mean, obviously that could possibly still happen, but I know that's like a ton of money 
Um, and, you know, the, the NHL is already losing money. But you're right. That would have been super cool, just the fact that it is in Minnesota. And I really like the idea of, like, starting the season with that, like, starting it with a bang. Maybe that's still an option, at least for the Winter Classic. I know that we're hearing a lot of different dates of when the NHL is going to start. I mean, obviously, they said December. They said January. I've heard rumblings about February. So, really, who knows? But it's pretty it's pretty much always cold in Minnesota. So I still think it would <laughs> it would work out some type of way. Yeah, I wish there was a way to make it financially feasible for them to have an outdoor game and you know maybe there is just on a smaller mm-hmm. scale. You know, uh, I know that obviously creating the ice and maintaining it is a big deal, but you know, part of the extensive cost of the Winter Classic is, you know, all the signage and the mm-hmm. all the ancillary events around it. And, you know, if there was a way to do that on a smaller scale, maybe like a pond hockey game, you know, with some NHLers, like literally on a pond, I think would be incredible, right? And just kind of kind of tailor it to the times a little bit. Yeah, that would be super cool. Um, don't know how it would all like pan out with like, you know, setting up cameras, getting the angles the right way. But if anything, I think the, the NHL could do it. Hopefully they, they still they still can. But uh, we'll keep an eye out for any updated news on that. Also, today is the first time all NHL GMs are going to meet uh, via Zoom to discuss what is going to happen to the AHL, many of the GMs have a lot of concerns because they want to know where their prospects will play. But I know that that's like a big thing is like, where are the prospects that were drafted this year? Are they going to play in juniors? Are they going to play in the AHL? Are they going to play in the NHL? That's a big question mark for a lot of teams. And so that's one of the, the, the bigger questions going into the GMs meeting today. Uh, They also talked about for the AHL, a start date of December 4th. That's still the target date, even though it's most likely going to be moved to mirror whatever the NHL plans to do. And so far, the NHL and the NHLPA have yet to even meet to discuss the start of next season. A lot of this was to wait to see what was going to come out of the GM meetings held today. Yeah, it it should be interesting to see how this conversation plays out and what they're going to tell us, you know, and how yeah. quickly they're going to tell <laughs> us. That's actually the more important part to me personally. But uh, I think that December 4th is not that far away. I mean, it's like six weeks from now. Yeah. So to get a season together with people who are all over the planet right now, starting in six weeks with so many different precautions and, you know, health and safety considerations. I I just don't think that's possible. I mean, it's entirely possible that they've been working toward it and planning for it. But again, we just haven't had enough information to know for sure what exactly has been going on there. And it seems to make more sense, like you were saying, that the schedules should mirror each other so that they can have training camps yeah. that accurately, you know, 
set rosters for the NHL teams and then figure out who's going to be on the AHL team. I mean, I guess it couldn't hurt to have AHL players, you know, start sooner. But anyone that's a borderline player, like, that's going to be really awkward if they have to start playing in the AHL. And then what are they going to do? Like, leave their team and go to a training camp for a week to figure out if they get a roster spot or not on the NHL team? Like, that just doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, it really doesn't. And, I mean, the AHL is always, like, at the disposal of the NHL for rosters anyway. But this just throws a whole nother wrench into their plan. And, um, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is just, like, the financial aspect. I know for some AHL teams, this is still doable. But for others that lost a lot of revenue um, by the, you know, the cancellation of earlier, like, last season and then no playoffs, this is going to be really difficult for them. So I wonder what, like, how this is going to pan out. What are we going to see? Because, like you said, it's it's obviously super beneficial and it makes a lot of sense for the AHL to mirror the NHL. But I mean, I'm not saying that the NHL is coming in here with no, <laughs> no plan, but of course that <laughs> the NHL and the NHL PA have yet to meet to discuss this just makes me a little bit nervous. Cause like you said, December is in what, six weeks. And for a lot of these teams, they're going to need a longer, um, a longer training camp because players have not played a meaningful game in months. And so it's a lot to get your body back in into that game shape. It is. And, you know, I think that the guys who have been lent to European teams are, are definitely going to be at an advantage to some degree because yeah. they've been, while it's like different leagues that may play slightly slower, slightly different styles, or slightly different sized ice. At least they're in game mode, right? Exactly. And I think that's why we see such an uptick of so many players going over to start play, to playing in the other leagues. Um, one thing I did want to point out for the NHL and NHLPA, their return to play committee and their plan, only 10 NHL players are going to be on that committee. And one of the biggest questions going into their meetings is going to be, will players' salaries be prorated or not? And Frank Saravelli said from the NHLPA perspective, they believe that as soon as they play one game, they will get their full salary minus 20%, which goes to um, escrow. And uh, that. I don't know how realistic that is for a lot of the GMs and the owners of the team. So that's that's another thing that could put a hold up to the return to play plan and any type of like concrete action for next season. Yeah, I expect there to be a lot of heated negotiations on that front, you know, especially because of the proration aspect of it and you know what percentage of the season will they be guaranteed in payments regardless of of the number of games played I think is going to be a huge point it is and we will have to uh, keep an ear out on that because that could really delay a lot of returning to play but you know Rachel one thing that I mean I feel like everybody is in agreement is just how tasty built bars are 
There's going to be no disagreement here. Built Bars are nope. amazing. <laughs> they are a soft protein bar that tastes pretty much like a candy bar. And it's so fitting for uh, right now. And somehow they got even tastier. They have 18 amazing flavors. So there really is something for everyone. And right now they have six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, Truly, they are so delicious. I mean, I'm I'm partial to the apple almond crisp right now. Yeah, I love that flavor. Also love the carrot cake too. But the best part is that it's healthy. And that's super important to me right now. If you are looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a treat, like Bilt Bar is perfect. It's an amazing combination of low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And if you're on a keto diet, this will fit right in. Yeah. So go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. So Rachel, it seems like the first hockey that we will probably get to see on TV will be World Juniors. And Bob McKenzie came out with a nice little thread of updates. And a lot of it pertained to Team Canada, but I picked out some gems uh, on Team USA as, you know, we have to root for the home team. <laughs> but uh, he goes on to say that as long as the NHL season gets underway anytime in January, with camps opening up a few weeks earlier, he doesn't think that a lot of full-time NHLers will be playing in World Juniors. Jack Hughes, uh, the Alex Turcotts, um, the Trevor Zegras, uh, they will most likely be playing with their NHL teams. So I, I know a lot of people are thinking, like, why does it pertain to the Flyers? Well, our friend Bobby Brink will be getting hopefully top six minutes in World Juniors. So, you know, it's that, that's good to see. I, I cannot wait to see how Bobby um, plays with an elevated role uh, in, in front of everybody. Yeah, and that goes for Cam York, too. Yes. I'm excited to see him play for Team USA. And I think, like, the big question mark is going to be players that would potentially – have thought about turning pro mm -hmm. for this year versus staying with their junior teams because players that would stay with their junior teams are going to take the national team call up, right? Yeah. But if there was somebody that was maybe going to turn pro or was playing for a university team that has, for whatever reason, decided to cancel the season, like, would they be a part of this world junior team? And so those are the, the kind of borderline, you know, questions that would be out there. But if there's any chance that a player is going to play in the NHL versus a junior team, I think that's where we're pretty much guaranteed they won't play in the, in the world juniors. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but uh, world juniors is going to replicate the bubble in Edmonton. Bob McKenzie says it's going to be identical in nature to the NHL bubble. Same rank, same hotel, same protocols. In the seven days prior to the arrival in Edmonton, all players and personnel 
must have three negative COVID tests. And on arrival in Edmonton, there's going to be a a four-day quarantine period. And during that four-day quarantine that takes place at the designated Edmonton hotels, the players or the individuals there will have to get three negative tests before being released into the bubble. So a lot of information, but I mean, I I think that's fair. Uh, I know it, it, for teams, like for players who aren't or going to have to be coming in from Canada, I'm surprised they didn't have to quarantine for 14 days, but I guess that could put other teams at disadvantages. So it's uh, that's always hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I did also read that uh, Canada is considering having rapid tests available at the airport on arrival. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I, I don't know if and when that would go into effect, but I know it's at least something they're considering. And so if they players could show a negative test prior to arrival, like a certain amount of time prior to arrival, mm-hmm. and then take a rapid test that's also negative upon arrival, that may qualify oh, in yeah. this new bubble. And I think that that's fair. I, I I don't think that's... Yeah, that doesn't make me a little bit hesitant. So I think that's good. Um, also, the pre-tournament games are tentatively set for December 20th to the 30, uh, the 23rd. And then the tournament opens December 25th on Christmas Day, which uh, I was surprised by that. (laughs) Yeah, it's usually a little bit later, more toward New Year's, but uh, why not? (laughs) I know, everything else. What else are we doing, right? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, one thing that World Juniors is is, uh, allowing for the rosters of each team is that it's going to be slightly expanded. Instead of the usual 20 skaters and three goalies, they're going to allow 23 skaters and three goalies. And, um, you know, Team USA had an evaluation camp last week in Michigan, and they had four goalies, 15 defensemen, and 23 forwards in attendance. So uh, it'll be nice to see some new names on the roster, get a look at some guys that, you know, could be in the upcoming drafts, and a look at the guys who hopefully are taking a, a bigger step this year. And so moving on, a little bit of Flyers news. The Flyers today are releasing their hometown assist video. Uh, They had a little uh, promo video released uh, yesterday where they talk about the five different businesses that uh, were awarded the Flyers hometown assist grant money. And they have five unique stories. And somehow it's it's so, I I love how they did it. it. They all are like, staples in Philadelphia. So I love that they are a part of the community. And it's just obviously so nice to see the Flyers give back. Yeah, this program has been really cool. I'm glad they started it and um, have been like highlighting these really cool businesses in town, especially when they need it so much right now. Yeah. And it's just like for me as someone who I I don't go to Philly super often, but when I do, it's always nice. I like to support uh, businesses that, you know, support the Flyers and support obviously uh, the Eagles and the Sixers. So I'm going to have to keep an eye out. Everyone knows that I love Denise's Bakery, which we 
probably will be ordering from uh, for Thanksgiving. So I know. (laughs) Yes, such really, really good um, apple pies and sweet potato pies. So again, that that's a nod to that. But um, definitely going to be trying to help out all of the businesses in the documentary. Um, I can't wait to watch it. And it is out today. So we'll make sure we retweet that on the Twitter account. So everyone listening, make sure you're following us. All right, Rachel, so let's get into our gritty thing of the week flashback. So this time last year, we had some pretty good uh, gritty content. Now, <laughs> I re-listened to our episode and man, we sound like babies. <laughs> like, it was early <laughs> into, into the podcast, so we sound so like new and fresh faced. We were young and innocent <laughs> then, and now we're old and bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> but some of these things I forgot. Like one, The first thing we talk about is the Philly fan who had a gritty belly tattoo that in, oh my God, the in-game yes. and gritty rips off the tattoo covering and it's just gritty. Wow. I love how I think for myself, like truly looking back on that, I'm like, wow, I think that was like real, but that had to have been fake because knowing what we know now with Gritty and the content, um, I would not be surprised. Yeah, God. Like, I, I mean, I think tattoos are really cool. I have one myself. That being said, I get like really nervous about people who have like tons of tattoos mm-hmm. And, but, like, when you got a theme and you go for it, man, it is impressive. Oh, <laughs> And that sure. one is certainly impressive. Would you ever get a gritty tattoo? No. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. No. I love the flyers. I love gritty. But I, that's a little bit too much commitment for me. <laughs> yeah. I had made a commitment, which I did not have to follow through on because it did not happen, that if the Flyers won the Stanley Cup during the Ron Hextall era, I was going to get a 27 tattoo. Wow. And I absolutely would have gone through it. Yeah. See, that I could do. Like a number or something like that, I could do. But a picture of Gritty, mm. or maybe even the Flyers logo, like, no, I don't think so. But a number, I could do that. Uh, moving on, uh, Gritty also um, did the dip and lean challenge, which was really nice. And I think that was like the first time we saw that Gritty has some moves. Yeah. Oh, that wow. was a good one, too. <laughs> and then uh, the one that was our uh, Gritty thing of the week was, of course, the appearance on The Simpsons. Still as iconic as it was back then. Absolutely. Like you truly make it. When you're on The Simpsons, even though Gritty was purple in a green jersey, it still it still was gritty. And you could definitely tell Mm -hmm. (laughs) gritty without the copyright infringement. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then this week we got a little gritty content, uh, a video of gritty um, at Topgolf. And um, it it was on Twitter as who's your caddy, which is. I like that pun. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a golfer, but I think he, he hit the ball with the driver and killed it. And everyone in the comments were just like, I don't know how, like how whoever is in that mascot suit did that in the suit because it was very, very good. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I am very unfamiliar with what it takes to get a golf ball to go that far because <laughs> I've literally never swung a golf club. I've only done mini golf, so I don't know what even it feels like to do a full golf swing. And but it looked impressive. I mean, it seemed yeah. like that's pretty far and pretty high up. Yeah, like I mean, I, I like I am with you. I have no idea how to grade a, a golf swing, but that looked a plus to me. And I loved that it was like that gritty swung and was like so into it that he lost his face shield and swung the the golf club. Which those are two things that I appreciate: swinging the golf club um, to to show how good you are. And um, yeah. yeah, it felt kind of like a bat flip, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's just I don't know when I will stop being shocked that Gritty is just like and or whoever is in that Gritty suit is just like an amazing athlete. The dancing, the basketball um, when he went to the Sixers game and like was half court um, and made the shot. Put him on the team. Put him on the team. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, Gritty is very, very athletic, and I love that. What would you say is like your your gritty thing of the week between the flash the flashbacks and the who's your caddy? I mean, I kind of have to go like collectively with that flashbacks because that was a lot of good stuff, and especially yeah. the Simpsons is a pretty high bar to set. It is. It is. I thought the who's your caddy is really cool but i mean he right now not top in the simpsons <laughs> we'll have to put the simpsons on like the mount rushmore of gritty <laughs> gritty things of the week so with that we want to thank everyone for listening to today's show we'll be back again on monday so stay tuned as a reminder we always want to hear from you so make sure you are sending us your questions for our weekly mailbag or just talk to us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers or email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle. You can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Now tune into the most recent episode of Locked on NHL and have a good weekend. <laughs>